This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This week on Case Closed, your weekly hour of mystery begins with the silent men. We'll hear their story from January 13th, 1952, titled Little White Lies. After that, it's FBI in Peace and War, an unfinished business. That episode aired August 2nd, 1951. Broadcasting Company proudly presents Douglas Fairbanks' production of The Silent Men. Transcribed stories of the undercover operations of the special agents of every branch of our federal government and their relentless fight against crime. Now here is Douglas Fairbanks. Under our free enterprise system in America, we have set a standard of living that is envied by most nations of the world. Valuable contraband that slips into the country undeclared can shake this standard. Our only defense against such damage is the silent men, special agents of the law enforcement divisions of the United States government. The detection and apprehension of smugglers is their life work. In tonight's story, which I obtained recently in Washington, I will portray one of these silent men, special agent Michael Rawson, in the file case entitled Little White Lies, of which only the names and places are fictional. started with a very nervous man who was waiting outside an office door of division headquarters for the Port of New York one morning in March. Uh, you, Mr. Rawson? Yes, you waiting for me? Yeah, one of the guards told me to see. Oh. Well, come in. Sit down. Thanks. Well, what's on your mind, Mr. Lewis? Uh, Lewis. Raymond Lewis. Mm-hmm. I'm a... A clerk in the jewelers exchange over on the Lower East Side. Uh-huh. I, I feel kind of funny about this, about coming here. But you have some information about contraband, is that it? Yeah. Well, what's the nature of the contraband? Diamonds? No, maybe I'm making a mistake. I mean, I just happened to overhear some talk. Maybe, maybe there's nothing to it. Well, let us find out whether there is or not, huh? What did you hear? Just a couple of fellas talking in a cafeteria near the exchange. I... I heard one of them say he'd gotten a top-quality blue white he wanted to get rid of in a hurry. He said he said it was just off the boat. You say which boat? No. He mentioned that the stone had been smuggled in? No, but I knew it was. How? Well, by the way they talked, I can't explain that. Go ahead. Well, the fellow said the stone was worth about 10000 in today's market. Just one stone? Yeah. Well, that must be a beauty. And then one of the other men asked him who he got the stone from. He said, Nubo. Then the third man sort of shook his head and said... He's a smart operator. I don't know how he gets him by. I see. Newbold. Yeah, that's the name they mentioned. They mention anybody else beside Newbold? No. These men, have you ever seen him before? No. Would you know him if you saw him again? Well, yeah. I don't want to get mixed up in anything. I got a family. Don't worry. You get complete protection. Now, you take this card. If you ever see any of these men again, call this number right away. Try to keep the men in sight unless you think they know that you're watching them. I understand. If there is anything behind your story and we seize contraband and make an arrest, you'll be in for a pretty good reward. Reward? Yeah. 
Uncle Sam pays off on good information from a reputable citizen. If we uncover an illegal shipment, it'll be seized, and you'll be entitled to 25% of its value. I, I, I didn't know that. A lot of people don't. Thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Lucas? Mike Rawson. Look, do something for me, will you? I want to run down on the passenger list of all the ships that have made this port in the last few days. Start with yesterday and work back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, here's the name I want. Newbold. Right. Might be a first name or a last name. I don't know. No. Diamond. <laughs> It took a couple of hours, but they found it. A man named Hans Newbold had cleared the port less than 48 hours before my check. He entered on the Finique, a liner of French registry, but his passport was issued in Amsterdam. His occupation? Diamond merchant. I checked with inspection at the pier. Yeah, I know the guy, Mike. I checked him through myself. I've checked him through lots of times. Sounds like he comes through often. Every few months. About four times a year. Want to see his declaration? You got him handy? I had him dug out after you called. The last few, anyhow. They're over here. This guy always seemed legitimate to me. Well, he may be. I'm working on a sort of uh, slim tip. Huh. You have declared a lot of ice. Well, it's his business. Ever find anything he didn't declare? No, no. He's always listed every piece. Values he sets on him are always close to our appraisal, too. Never sports about paying the duty. Ever given him a good shakedown? Oh, sure. We comb him out every once in a while. You comb him out this time? No. Just a casual. Well, when and if he comes through here again, make sure he gets the full treatment, will you? <laughs> you bet, if you say so. This is his full declaration for this last trip, is it? It's all there. Best piece he brought through is evaluated at uh, $2,700. Anything wrong with that? Well, plenty of my source of information heard right. I'm looking for a piece he didn't declare. The market value of 10000 For days, I checked on Hans Newbold. He seemed open and above board in selling his merchandise in the United States. He sold a legitimate firm through legitimate channels, and every sale we ran down covered stones listed on his declaration. His contacts were above reproach. I was about to chuck it as a bad lead when I was summoned by the chief of my division. You want to see me, Mr. Bender? Yeah, Mike. How are you making out on that Newbold case? I should be giving my salary to charity. I seem to be getting it for nothing. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Huh? Why not? Uh, that statement you got from that Lewis fellow, Raymond Lewis. Oh, the clerk from the jewelers exchange. Yeah, I happened to read it. The name Newbold rang a bell a long time ago. Something you handled? Yeah. Society dame tried to bring a rock in without declaring it. She was strictly an amateur, but she said she had bought the stone in Amsterdam from a man named Jean Newbold, a jeweler. Well, the man we're checking is Hans Newbold. Yeah. Of course, it could be the same man with a different first name or a relative. Well, whoever it was, he didn't file a declaration of the sale in Holland. Legally, he should have. man who breaks one law is liable to break another. Well, how about wiring our Amsterdam division to get a make on you both, Hans or John? Now, that's been done. We'll have an answer by cable tomorrow. Uh, but on your way out, take a look at the return passenger list of the Philippe. You both going home? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Now, uh, don't let it throw you. We got nothing to hold him on, anyhow. Well, maybe we'll get something the next time around. 
You've been crossing the ocean a lot lately. We'll be back. The report from the Amsterdam Division came in the next day on schedule, just as the Philippe was pulling up her gangplank. We could see her nosing out into the harbor, being bullied along by the tugs. Don't look so grim, Mike. I hate to see him get away with it, that's all, Chief. Yeah, I know. We trade with decent businessmen from all over the world. One like Newbold makes it bad for all the rest of them. Not to mention the fortunate cost the government to run this department. We pay our way, Mike. I didn't mean it that way. I, I, I just meant, well, I don't like a trickster. He's got a good business. He makes enough on the stuff he declares. Come on now, cool down. Read that cable. Okay. Is it? Mm-hmm. Brothers, huh? Yeah. But the one called Jean was killed in a fire. I see that. 1947. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hans Newbold charged with arson in the setting of the fire. No conviction. Hospitalized himself for three months. Multiple second-degree burns. No wonder they couldn't get a conviction. man who set a fire on purpose wouldn't be likely to get burnt that badly himself. Yeah, well, normally he'd be the last suspect. And I might point out that the insurance enabled him to go into the diamond business on a big scale. I hope the Amsterdam man was careful about getting this information. No, he's a good man. Well, if he is, Newbold will try again. I don't want him scared off before we know how he's doing it. <laughs> It'll get him out of our hair. Yeah. But maybe his trick can be taught to somebody else we're not watching. Well, don't worry. When Hans Newbold pays us another visit, we'll be on the dock waiting for him. They're starting to come off the ship now, Sid. Make sure you don't let anything get by. I won't, Mike. Don't inspect him here. Uh, take him into the special shakedown room. Mike and I will watch through the one-way mirror. Okay, Mr. Bender, but no matter how long I work here, that room always gives me creeps. Why? Well, that mirror you look through from the next room uh, looks like an ordinary mirror on my side. I feel funny knowing that somebody can be behind there watching me, but I can't see them. We just don't want Newbold to know everybody who's in on this party. If I have to tell him later on, it'll be just as well if he doesn't remember seeing me around here. Well, you better leave quick, then, because that's him now at the head of the gangplank. Yeah, come on. He'll be down fast because I left word for his luggage to get special service. Well, okay, let's just sit down and hope. Good view of the room. Yeah. Oh, uh, I better kick the dictaphone switch on so we can hear them as well as see them when they come in. Now we're set. Not any too early, you know. Hmm. And there's his luggage. That'll be bringing him in any minute now. Kind of hot and stuffy in here. It'll be even more hot and stuffy for Newbold if he's trying to sneak anything. Besides, you can't let him freeze to death. So it'll strip him down. I know. I was in here with Bud Sistrom when he cracked that Moran case. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy who swallowed the ruby. Yeah. <laughs> He turned pretty red himself when they saw that fluoroscope machine. <laughs> Didn't even have to go... There they are now. You don't have to whisper, Mike. They can't hear us. <laughs> I keep forgetting, sir. Uh, just, uh, take your clothes off, Mr. Newbold. I beg your pardon. Your clothes. Take them off. He's getting on. You're treating me like a very suspicious man. Is this necessary? Is this the cause? There's a screen over there. You'll find a hospital... Better be riding this. I'll check the suitcases while you undress. 
doesn't seem rattled. Uh, he's been shaken down before. Yeah, not like this. If he's got anything on him, Sid will find it. I told him to rip up or break up anything that looks the least bit suspicious. Yeah. Uh, I uh, hope that this will not take too long. No longer than necessary, Mr. Newball. Did you uh, wish for me to remove my shoes? Everything, please. Inspector, what are you doing to my suitcase? Just ripping out the lining, Mr. side of it. It's yeah. pale. Yeah. Can't see it. His face, though. He isn't hiding anything there. I know. Oh, sure. What? That fire, remember? Oh, yes. That's what it is, all right. Skin graft. Really must have been burnt, all right. Well, you can't hide a diamond under grafted skin. <laughs> Not without looking lumpy. Uh, put on I your guess clothing it's... on this table, Mr. Newbold. I'll uh, take the shoes first. As you wish. You can sit on the stool until I finish with these things. I suppose I'll be uh, examined through this uh, work. Oh. I'll call a technician when we're ready for that. I assure I'm you. I'm just that. following established procedure, Mr. Newbold. Uh, just so you don't get excited, I'm going to take the heels off your shoes with the soles. Well, so long as you buy me new ones, go ahead. Might as well turn this thing off. We're not going to find anything on him. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. What time is it? There'll be nothing left to search, and we'll have to let him walk out of here. Well, if he's innocent, Mike, there's nothing else we can do. He's not innocent. Now, don't let your feelings override your judgment. I'm not. I can just feel it through that phony mirror. There's something about that face, about the way he grins behind Sid's back. You're really hot, huh? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. If he didn't have anything on him, he'd take that search without that deadpan grin. There can be only one reason for that grin in my book. He's smuggling something into this country right under our noses. And he knows that we're not going to find it. The search ended the way we expected it to end, with Newbold walking out into the streets a free man. The things he had left behind littered the search room, and Bender and I gave them a second going over in the hope that Sid had missed something. He hadn't. By 9 p.m., I felt sick. I went home. That you, Mike? Yeah, honey. I was wondering where you were. Got stuck on something. Where are the kids? In bed. It's after 9. Did you eat? Mm, I'm not hungry. Oh, I can fix you something. No. No, thanks, honey. Is anything wrong? Uh-uh. I'm just tired. What have you been doing? Just playing some records. Oh, there's some man wants you to call him. Who? Well, he wouldn't leave a name, just a number. It's on the phone table there. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry about dinner and the game, honey. I should have called. <laughs> if you ever did, I'd faint. <laughs> oh, I'd better turn this thing off. Is this the number? Yes, it. I got a message to call this number. Um, Mr. Rawson? Yeah. Who is this? Raymond Lewis, the jewelers exchange, remember? Oh, oh yeah, Lewis. I yeah. tried to get you at your office this afternoon, but you were out someplace. I couldn't reach you. 
Uh, what's on your mind? I saw one of those men again today. You know, the one I told you about with the diamonds? Where? Down near the exchange again. He was standing on a corner, so I went into a store to call you. Then somebody picked him up in a taxi. I couldn't get the number. You say he was picked up by the cab? He didn't call the cab? No, there was somebody else in it. He must he must have been waiting for it. Did you see the man in the cab? Yeah, he leaned out the window for a second when the cab stopped. You notice anything strange about his face? Well, yeah. Yeah, one side of it was kind of white, funny looking. Ah, I thought so. Okay, Lewis, thanks. I'm sorry I can't tell you any more. Oh, you told me enough. You know the man in the cab? Maybe. Think you're going to find anything? If I do, you'll hear from me. Sure. Bye, Mr. Rolfe. Goodbye. We kept digging on Hans Newbold in America and in Amsterdam. Background, contacts, dealings, business, the same things over and over again. It began to pay off in small things, pieces of a master puzzle. Here are the correlated reports on Newbold, Mike. A few things I think might interest you. Like what? Each time Newbold makes a trip to America, he has a date just about a week before in Amsterdam with the same woman. Well, it might be just a girlfriend. No, he'd see a girlfriend more often than that. Got a check on her? Mm-hmm. First, she looked okay, but, uh... But she isn't, huh? No. Mm. Before each meeting with Newbold, she does some shopping in the Amsterdam black market. For diamond? For a diamond. One high-quality blue-white stone. Sure. She shops for Newbold and turns the stone over to him so he can sneak it in here. Yeah, he keeps himself covered, all right. Sure. There's no record of that stone ever passing into his hand. I've been on this thing for months. You want me to hand it to somebody else? No. Did his girlfriend make diamond purchases before these last two trips he made here? Yeah. I guess you were right, Mike. Somehow he's getting them by us. One stone. One good stone. Why always one? I wondered about that myself. You've got a trick, a gimmick. But if it's as good as it seems to be, why one stone? Why not a big haul? I can't figure it. He takes four or five trips a year. If he brings in a rock worth 10000 each time, he's getting 50000 a year past it. And it's costing us 25000 in duty at 50%. Well, what are you leading up to? We've ripped everything he owns apart. He couldn't have hidden the head of a pin in his baggage with that last shakedown we gave him. So? The stone is on him. On his person. Mike, he's been checked thoroughly. He might hide the stone from us, but he couldn't hide it from the fluoroscope. We, we've even checked his mouth like he was a sick horse. Doc even looked into his ears. I can't help it. I keep seeing his face in front of me night and day. There's something wrong with that face. An accident that left its mark. More than that. Oh, Mike, he can't carry a diamond under his skin. We see him come here and leave. Our man in Amsterdam keeps a watch on him there. I know. If there was some gimmick connected with his skin, the diamond would have to be sewn in and cut out. And even the best plastic surgeon in the world couldn't do that without having the man bandaged or something. You can't cut open a face and let it heal in an hour. There's it still something that I... Oh, excuse me. Sure. Bender speaking. Yeah, that's right, I did. Uh-huh. What flight? All right, I got it. Thank you. Well, speak of the devil. Something about new boat? Yeah, he's paying us another visit by air this time. When? His plane gets in here tomorrow night at midnight. He'll come through Idlewild. Let me get out there. Let me shake him down myself. I want to look at that face closer. Mike. What's the matter? I don't like to do this. Do what? Mike, I'm going to take you off this assignment. Well, do you mind telling me why? 
because you're losing your perspective. It happens. It happened to me. But I... Now, don't make it hard for me, Mike. Uh, I'll switch you to something else. I've worked on this since March. Yeah, but you've got an obsession about Newbold's face. You know this business, Mike. You're a good man. One of the best. But a good man should have an open mind. He should get his ideas on the spot and not in advance. Is that what you're trying to say? That's been said to all of us a hundred times. Uh... You're concentrating so hard on Newbold's face... Because of an old accident that he could carry a stone past you in his clenched fist and you'd never find it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right, Mike. Since the lecture comes from me, I... I might mention that I wasted a whole year on Negrado, the dope sneaker. For a whole year, I concentrated on an elaborate shaving brush he carried. Then finally, somebody found what I was looking for. In a toothpaste tube. You... Don't want me out there tomorrow night, then, huh? I'll handle it myself. Uh, why don't you go home and spend a pleasant evening with Doris? Dry those, honey? No, I'm just going to let them drain. I'm almost finished. Did you look at the children? Yeah. Sound asleep already. I wish I could sleep like that. I wish you could, too. You were up about five times last night. I didn't know I disturbed you. I'm sorry. Something's eating you, Mike. What is it? Nothing, really. What time is it? 8.30. Ten minutes later than it was the last time you asked. You going someplace? No, no. Well, I'm finished here. Good. Harry and Charlotte coming over? No. He has his naval reserve meeting tonight. Come on, let's go into the living room. Darling, I could call Mother and ask her to come over and sit. We could go to a movie. Mm, no, I'd rather not tonight. Well, sit down and relax. You're always in such a stew. I'm just trying to think of something. It keeps getting away from me. Anything I can help with? <sighs> no, I'm afraid not. How about some music? Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Well, what do you want to hear? Oh, I don't know. Bach? No, sir. Something dreamy and sentimental. Well, now, the Irving Berlin album. How's that? Do you mind? What do you have for a starter? Little White Lies. Little White Lies it is. Played by your favorite husband and built-in disc jockey. <laughs> Remember that, Mike? Mm-hmm. We were still in grammar school. Or was it high? Starting high. Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't like me then. Says who? You didn't. <sighs> you used to scowl at me. You scowled at all the girls. I did not. I was charming. Oh. oh. What? Children's report cards. I left them for you to sign. My daughter Judy is doing fine, but your son is... Still can't read, eh? Well, a C isn't too bad. Not after a string of D's, isn't it? I love those words, Mike. Heaven was in your eyes. Hey, incidentally, speaking of eyes, do you think Donnie might need glasses? 
Maybe that's why he's slow in reading. Maybe if I took him an oculus, I'd... Why? What's wrong with you, darling? Your face is so pale. That's it. That's it. That's gotta be it. Mike, what in the world is the matter? Doris, I've got to run. I've got to go out. Where are you going? What's wrong? I'm going to the office and nothing's wrong, honey. Not anymore. reached the office at 9.30. It gave me two and a half hours before Newbold's plane would hit the landing strip at Idlewild. I checked a few things so I'd know where to get the information I needed. Then I placed a transatlantic call to the police in Amsterdam, Holland. I asked for a complete rundown on the hospital record of Hans Newbold. It took almost two hours before they got back to me, but the answer was right. I came out of the building on the run and jumped into a moving cab. Newbold's plane had just started to unload at the international enclosure when we barreled through the gate. Here, driver, keep the chain. Hi, Chief. I thought I gave you the night off, Mike. You'll be glad I didn't take it. Where's Newbold? I'm in the shakedown room. I'm waiting for an inspector. Never mind the inspector. Get a doctor. You know what you're doing, Mike? I know. All right. Doc! Right with you, Bender. Now, this is important. Come in. Well, what is it? I want you to help us with something. Uh, which room? Over here. His luggage is not the plane yet, though. We don't need his luggage. Well, gentlemen, my welcoming committee grows larger with each visit. Uh, don't fret about it, Mr. Newbold. This is the last time. You want him to strip? It isn't necessary. Take the man's right eye out, Doc. What? I warn you that I've been subjected to enough indignities. I shall call the council at... Take a good look at that eye, Doc. That's why the whole side of his face looks dead. It's a glass eye. Isn't it, Mr. Newbold? Yes. You're right. Sure. Nobody looked at his eyes too closely. The skin graft scars got all the attention. His luggage got the attention. And we don't fluoroscope a man's head. What about it, Newbold? Make it easy on yourself. This is the first time I... You can save that. You've had a high-quality blue-white cemented inside that false eye every time you've come through this country. You want to make it easy on yourself, just give us a list of your customers. We'll send him a guard, Doc. You wait here until Mr. Jumold turns in his evidence. Come on, Mike. Well, that eye business wasn't just a guess, huh, Mike? No. I called the hospital he was treated at in Amsterdam at the time of the fire. I figured with Burns like he had... Now, that's it, good thinking, Mike. It fell on me like a mountain. A song about eyes. And the fact that my son can't seem to learn his reading lesson. Hey, i got to hop a cab and get home. Oh, no, you don't. You've got reports to fill in, Mike. Oh, boy. no, I haven't, sir. You took me off the case, remember? What the devil are you... Ah, now, look. You took me off. You fill out the report. <laughs> I left my wife feeling very tender and sentimental. And you told me to spend the evening with her. So... You've got your orders. Well, go ahead. And give Doris my best regards. This is Douglas Fairbanks again. The interruption of Hans Newbold's smuggling operation closes another chapter in the distinguished chronicle of our silent men, the special agents of all branches of our federal government, 
who daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Next week, we will tell you a story involving counter-espionage in the file case entitled The Big Hoax, another venture undertaken for our protection by the Silent Men. The Silent Men is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's case was written by Joel Murcard and transcribed in Hollywood. Only the names and places were fictional. Featured in tonight's cast were Bertram Tanswell, Frank Gerstle, Bill Conrad, Jeff Corey, and Vivi Janet. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Douglas Fairbanks will shortly present Betty Davis, Gary Merrill, and Emmeline Williams in the motion picture, Another Man's Poison. Listen again next week and every week to other exciting cases involving the law enforcement adventures of the special agents of our federal government. For they are the silent men. Times mean good times on NBC. There's stellar listening today on this NBC station, so keep tuned here. In just 30 minutes, the big show will feature Fred Allen, Vera Lynn, Betty Hutton, Tony Bennett, and your charming hostess, Kalula Bankhead, with Meredith Wilson directing the orchestra and chorus. Next, listen for Tales of the Texas Rangers on NBC. The FBI in Peace and War. <laughs> The FBI in Peace and War, brought to you by Wheaties Breakfast of Champions, a product of General Mills, and by Wild Root Cream Oil, America's favorite hair tonic. Look twice, and you'll look twice as good. Yes, look twice, and make sure you get Wild Root Cream Oil hair tonic, again and again the choice of men and women and children, too. Another great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story, Unfinished Business. So you want police protection, is that it, Ruby? Yeah, that's it. Why didn't you go directly to the police? Joe said if I was ever in trouble, I should come to you first. He said you'd know what to do. I see. You've got to get me out of this spot, Mr. Martin. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't sit still a minute as long as that guy's on the loose. Do you think he might try to harm you? After what I did, he just as soon kill me, I know. Uh-huh. What did you do? It's none of your business. All right, if that's the way you feel. No, 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 wait. I, I didn't mean that. I, I'm just so jumpy and nervous, I just meant... Look, Ruby... If you want me to help you, I've got to ask questions. Yeah, I know, Mr. Martin. I'm sorry. How about a cigarette? Yeah, I'd like one. Right? Thanks. All right. Now, let's have the whole thing right from the beginning. Well... Everything, Ruby. No matter what you did. Pretty crummy. But it wasn't all my fault. At first, I thought... Just tell me what happened. All right. 
You know about Eddie Jackson? Yeah. Well, I didn't. Not at first. All I knew was what Joe told me. He called me up to club one night, Club 15. That's where I was working. He said there's somebody coming over tonight, and his name is Eddie Jackson. I want you to be terrible. <laughs> Hat, sir. Huh? Your hat, sir. Oh, yeah, sure. Here, I sustain. Thank you, sir. That's okay, honey. Thank you. Here you are, sir. Hmm? Your check. Oh, oh, yeah, your check. My mistake. I sort of forgot about things like this. I've been away for a while. Yeah? Yeah, quite a while. Good evening, sir. Hello. You have a reservation, sir? Well, I... Uh, we are very full, sir, if you have no reservations. Well, I uh, was supposed to meet Joe Ryan here. Oh, Mr. Ryan, of course, sir. I'm so sorry. You are Mr. Eddie Jackson, correct? Yeah, that's right. This way, sir, please. We have a table for you right here at the ringside. Gus, Mr. Ryan's table of champagne. Yes, sir. Very best table, sir. Mr. Ryan has left complete instructions for the dinner. Everything is arranged. Well, that's nice. And here we are, sir. Uh, this table... That's right, Eddie. I... Uh... Leon. Yes, Miss Ruby. Two martinis and then left in Very good, Miss. Two martinis. Sit down, Eddie. Joe's going to be a little late. <sighs> Look beautiful. I don't get this. My name's Ruby Winters. I'm your date for the night. My date? Mm-hmm. Joe says you've been away a long time. He figured you might want somebody to do the town with you. I'm not somebody. Well... What do you know about that? You like the idea? I sure do, gorgeous. What'd you say your name was? Ruby Winter. Okay, Ruby, take a deep breath. This is the night you're really gonna remember. <laughs> he was right, huh? Well, if I don't remember last night, my feet will, believe me. You hit every spot in town. And out of it. He even hired a cab to go gambling in Jersey. What did he say about me not showing up? Listen, after the third drink, he didn't even know you were living. <laughs> did he know you were living? Well, he didn't act like it was repulsive. That's what I thought. Joe, when are you going to let me in on this deal? In a minute, baby. He really gave you a whirl, huh? You'd think the guy hadn't seen a night spot in 50 years. Where's he been, Africa? No, Atlanta. Just got out of the federal pen. What? Yeah, I was serving six years for armed robbery. Well, you certainly got your nerve teaming me up with a jailbird. Now, relax. Relax? You telling me he was a business partner, telling me to give him the lovey-dovey routine. Ruby, there's a hundred thousand bucks in this. What? One hundred G's, cash, food money. He's got it, and I want it. Eddie? That little guy, he's got... Yeah, that little guy, he's got... Where would he get $100,000? I gave it to him. Huh? Six years ago, I gave him 100000 bucks cash to take the rap from me in a bank job. Joe, you're kidding. I wish I was. Well, you never told me. But before I met you, me and the boys stuck up the Farmington National Bank and got 200000 out of it. Cops caught up with me, so I paid Eddie to sign a confession that he did it. He served your term? Yeah, six years. Less six months' good behavior. You paid in advance? Sure, that was the deal. He's got every dime of that dough sorted away someplace. Where? That's what you've got to find out. Oh, I see. Won't be hard for a girl with your talent. Thanks. And look, what belongs to me belongs to you. 100000 for the two of us. What do you say, Ruby? What do you think I say? Okay, baby. 
Go to work on it. So I went to work on it. But the job wasn't as simple as it looked. Guy that's been locked up for all those years likes a good time, but he doesn't talk too much about his business. Go on. Well, I told Joe, I said, this isn't going to be easy. And he said, nothing good comes easy. You got to dig, that's all. So I said, okay, I'll dig, but I just hope we don't come up with a fistful of trouble. Federal Bureau of Investigation, Mr. Shepard's desk. Yes, he is. Just a moment, please. Morning, Miss Hill. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bailey. How was the trip? Not bad, thanks. Did you see any shows in New York? No, nose to the grindstone every time. How's oh, this best? So it's the truth to help me. Mr. Shepard in? Mm-hmm, waiting for you. Ask me twice if you'd call. Good, that means something interesting's happened. See you later, Miss Hill. Yes, sir. See you later. Okay, I'm here. Let's get to work. Well, at least take your coat off. All right, but Miss Hill said you were asking for me. You heard from Florida? Uh-huh. Well, come on, come on. I will, but just briefly, how did you and the New York office make out? Briefly, we got no place. No? We tailed Eddie Jackson an eight-hour shift for six days. All he did in that time was make a tour of every restaurant, theater, and night spot in town with a girl named Ruby Winters. Hitting the high spots, huh? That's all. But he spent money freely. That's putting it mildly. He threw the stuff away. Uh-huh. And he just got out of prison a month ago. Oh, he has money somewhere. There's no doubt about that. Plenty of money. Now, what about Florida? Well, the Miami office followed that lead. There may be some truth in the tip that Jackson was working in a Palm Beach gambling joint on the night of the Farmington bank holdup. Well, I'll be... I said there may be. Miami's going to continue checking. But if Jackson was in Palm uh, Beach... Now, why did he sign a confession to the robbery? You tell me. He was taking the rap for somebody else. Could be. Could be. It probably is. Just as you said, look at the money he's throwing around. Sure, but that might be the money he got from the bank holder. Or from someone who paid him to say he did the holdup. Uh-huh. A whole flock of could be. I'll say. So where do we go from here? Well, our job has been and will continue to be the location of that money. $200,000 was taken from that bank. What did Jackson say about the money in his confession? Oh, the usual. He said he lost it on the races before he was picked up. So? So we'll have to put together all those could-bes and maybes and possibly come up with something. In the meantime... In the meantime, we keep a 24-hour surveillance on Eddie Jackson. Right. 24-hour surveillance and see what happens. Memorandum for Shepard, please. Yes, Mr. Bailey. January 4th, subject went to theater with same woman after theater, the downtown club. Subject left woman at her apartment. January 6th, subject spent afternoon shopping with same woman. Checkup with stores shows over $700 spent on clothes and jewelry. Subject went to dinner with woman, then returned... Look at that, you, Ruby. Same to you, Eddie. And here's looking to you, Joe. Best friend a guy ever had. Thanks, Eddie. Same to you. And here's Eddie. To the... Yeah, honey. If we're going to the fights, I want to put on a fresh face. Do you mind? No, go ahead, baby. Go right ahead. Me and Joe will chew the fat a while. <laughs> Haven't had much chance to chew the fat with old Joe these last few weeks. I'll be back. Yeah, we'll be here, sugar. Pay the check, honey. Yeah, sure, baby. Anything you say. Great little girl, isn't she, Joe? One of the best. Joe, hmm? I want to thank you, Joe. Thank me? For what? For everything. 
best friend a guy ever had. Thank you for Ruby. Everything. You like her, huh? Like her. Here's a hot one. Come here, Joe. Huh? Come here. I want to tell you a little secret. Yeah? Ruby and me is... Yeah? Ruby and me is... Joe, will you be my best man? Huh? I haven't asked her yet, Joe, but if she says yes, will you be my best man? You going to ask Ruby to marry him? Sure. What's the matter with that? Nothing, Eddie. Nothing at all. You think it's a bad idea? Of course not, Eddie. I think it's the best idea I ever heard. You think... You think she'll take me, huh? You bet I do, Eddie. If I know Ruby, she'll take you. And now, listen. What sparks a champion sparks you, and champions choose Wheaties. Let's watch sparking Sid Gordon of the Boston Braves at bat with a winning run on first base. Gordon's up there now, determined to keep the rally alive. Might be a hit and run play. It is. There goes the runner, and Gordon hits a whistling runner between first and second. Here comes the run in. Oh, Gordon rounds first. He's trying for second. There's a good throw from right field. It might nail him. Sid flies. The big cloud just will see. Yes, sir. He's safe. A perfectly executed hit and run play by clutch hitter Sid Gordon. Oh, Wheaties man, too, this great champion. And remember, what sparks a champion sparks you. Got a tough job tomorrow? Then remember this outstanding food fact. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Wheaties give you all the grain. Not just half of it nor part, but the whole rich kernel. And when you store up solid, lasting wheat power, you're hard to stop. So have Wheaties. Remember, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. What sparks a champion sparks you, and champions choose Wheaties. Breakfast of Champions. And now, back to the FBI in Peace and War, and tonight's story, Unfinished Business. Eddie Jackson was serious. Yeah, the crazy luggy wanted to marry me. Uh, he didn't know anything about you and Joe. No, he'd known anything but... What's the matter? Nothing. I thought I heard your doorbell. You wouldn't let anybody in here without seeing who it was, would you? Nobody can get by the doorman, Ruby. I have permanent orders on that. Okay, I'm kind of nervous. I understand, but you're safe up here. Would you like a drink? Yeah, maybe that would help. All right, I'll fix one for both of us. You keep talking. Well... Eddie Jackson wanted to marry you. Yeah. What did Joe do about that? What did Joe do? You know him, he started figuring the angles. The more he figured, the better it looked. And the better it looked, the more I got sore at the whole shaky setup. <laughs> it's perfect, Ruby. It just can't miss. Go on, enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out for good. Oh, baby, you gotta admit it's kind of funny. You set out to give the guy the business, and it ends up he wants to marry you. What's funny about that? You don't see it? No. Okay, skip it. Never mind, skip it. I'm getting sick and tired of this business. Now, look, relax. It won't be much longer. I never should have let you talk me into this in the first place. Not much longer, I guarantee. Look, look. The guy who proposes marriage has got to be a honeymoon, right? As a honeymoon, he's going to take plenty of dough along. Now you'll find out where he keeps it for sure. Listen, if you think I'm going to marry this joker... Who says you're going to marry him? You just let him think you are. You can talk. 
You don't have to be with him 24 hours a day. What's the matter? He's showing you time, isn't he? You know what I mean. You and I hardly see each other anymore. A hundred grand, baby. We'll see each other plenty once we get our hands on that. You mean it? I'm telling you. You play this thing along, and before you know it, we're on our way to the coast with money to burn. All right, Joe. But if Eddie ever got wise to this setup... Oh, forget it. He doesn't know a thing. Right now, he's out shopping for a wedding ring. Yeah? Sure, he called me up this morning, wanted my advice. Should he get plain gold or a diamond band? No kidding. Uh-huh. And I said, diamonds, Eddie, all the way around. For a girl like Ruby, nothing but the best. That's what I said. Nothing but the best, Eddie. That's what you said. That's what I got. They, uh, you couldn't find a better-looking ring if you bought it legitimate. Not bad. Not bad at all, Shorty. Classy, huh? Yeah, real nice. Isn't hot, is it? Hot? Hey, what kind of business do you think I run? No offense, just checking. You know I wouldn't sell you anything hot, Eddie. No pal like you. Honest, I'm, I'm losing money at a thousand. I said it, Tiger. Losing money. I, I really hate to give it up. <laughs> oh, she's a very lucky girl. Mm-mm, Shorty. I'm a very lucky guy. Well, either way, it's a thousand bucks cash. Yeah, I have it for you right here. And uh, an extra five for the Fifth Avenue box. Uh-huh. Uh, incidentally, uh, who is the lucky girl? You didn't tell me. Pretty in town. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Ruby Winters. Ruby Winters? You mean Joe Ryan's girl? What? I mean, I mean, I mean... Uh, what did you say? Oh, nothing, Eddie. No, you mean Joe Ryan's girl. No, I'm being Eddie. What did you mean? I was, I was surprised, that's all. Ruby is Joe's girl. Everybody knows Why, that. Why, you... Tell me the truth, so help me. Now, I wouldn't lie to you, Eddie. You couldn't have known because you were in the pen. Now, let me talk, will you? Go on, talk. Like, like I said, now, everybody knows it. Joe and Ruby are like that. Listen, Shorty. You gotta believe me, Eddie. Now, Joe almost killed a guy once over Ruby. That's the truth? You swear? I swear it, Eddie. Ruby's Joe's girl. Okay, Shorty. Yes? Eddie, uh, you still want the ring, don't you? Eddie? Yes, I still want the ring. called me up and said he had a surprise he wanted to show me. I knew he had the ring. The surprise I didn't know was that somebody else was interested in that ring besides me and Joe and Eddie. Memo to Shepard. Surveillance of Eddie Jackson, January 10th. Followed well-known fence, Shorty Zeller to Jackson's room. Zeller left room in half hour, counting large sum of cash. Jackson later went to dinner. Hello, Chef. You wanted to see me? Yes, Frank. Sit down. I've been reading over your memorandums. Coupled with what I've got, our maybes and could be's are beginning to iron out. Oh? Wire just came in from Miami. They have positive evidence that Eddie Jackson was working in Palm Beach on the night of the Farmington Bank holdup. Well, good. That takes care of the maybes. What about the rest? Why did Jackson sign a confession of the robbery when he couldn't possibly have done it? Right. Well, we know for sure now that the money he's been throwing around can't be money from the holdup. 
So it must be money Money from someone who paid him to confess. Exactly. So we swing into action, pick up Jackson, get a brand new confession out of him. Not yet. There's one more could be I'm particularly interested in. Yeah? Look at your memos. Ruby Winters is spending all her time with Jackson and his common gossip, Ruby's Joe Ryan's girl. What's she up to? Find that out, Frank, and we may find our 200,000. Find out what Ruby's up to, and then we'll swing into action. There you are, darling. Thanks, Harry. You're coming in, aren't you? Well, it's pretty late. We've got a big day tomorrow. Just walk me upstairs. Big day is right. Whoever thought when we met that first night, you and me'd be getting married? Nobody. Least of all me. Yeah? Sure. I couldn't imagine a pretty thing like you not being all tied up. Oh, go on. No, I mean it. I was sure you were maybe even Joe's girl or something. Joe's girl? That's a good one. Yeah. That was crazy, wasn't it? I'll say. Sure you won't come in for a nightcap? Oh, not tonight, Ruby. Give me a rain check, huh? Whole lifetime of rain checks, Eddie. Starting first thing in the morning. You'll be all packed and ready to go? Will I? You uh, don't want to back out now, do you? Before it's too late. Some chance. Do you? No. This is one thing I really want to go through with. You won't be sorry. I don't think I will. Hey, Ruby. See you in the morning. Gonna kiss me goodnight? Hmm? Oh, sure. Sure I am. Hmm. Good night, darling. Hey, Ruby. Get a good sleep. Don't worry, I will. Hi, Daddy. Hello? Joe, Ruby. Yeah, Ruby? Joe, I know where he's got the money. What? He spilled it tonight at dinner. He said I ought to know in case something ever happened to him. I told you, didn't I? I told you. Okay, wise guy, you told me. Where are you now, Ruby? At the apartment. He just left a minute ago. All right, I'll help the cab and come right over. No, never mind the cab. Get your car out. The car? Yeah, we're going out in the country. About 80 miles north of here on Route 17. You don't mean he's got the door out at the farm. That's where it is, Joe. I'll get the car. Meet me downstairs in 10 minutes. So he had the door with the farm. Who would have figured that? How much further is it, Joe? Any minute now. Just off one of these dirt roads, but it's been so long since I was up there here. There couldn't be anybody there. No, nothing but the mice. It's an old run-down shack. Me and the boys bought it ten years ago. That's how Eddie knew about it? Yeah, when he was working for me. Oh, here we are. I remember that no trespassing sign. Joe. Yeah? What's Eddie going to do when he finds out the dough's gone? What can he do? He ever knew that you and me... Sure, he'd finish the both of us. Okay. There's a flashlight in my glove compartment. All right. Here. All right, come on. Sure is a creepy-looking dump. Uh-huh. No wonder Eddie used it. Nobody in his right mind had come within a mile of the place. You 
Don't give a shivit. Well, then don't worry. The hundred thousand will take him away. In there. Joe. Yeah? There won't be the whole hundred, will there? Say he spent ten. That still leaves ninety. She. All that cash right here in this room. The fireplace, huh? Yeah, he says the mantelpiece is up. Okay, here it is. She, Joe. Yeah. You hold the light so I can see what I'm doing. Uh -huh. Lips up, huh? Yeah. Okay, I'll lift it up. There it is. Metal box, just like you said. Take it out. I got it. Look, look, look at that stuff. A hundred grand. Oh, Joe. One hundred thousand smackers. What's the There's only singles underneath. What? A few large bills and singles underneath. Where's the rest? In the bank vault, Joe. Huh? Rest of the money is in a bank vault. Where it's been for six years. Eddie. Hello, Joe. Hello, Ruby. I see you two didn't waste any time getting here. Eddie, I, I can tell you what happened, Don't honey. Don't bother. I know what happened. All right. How do you want this? Ladies first. Eddie, put that gun down and listen for a minute, will you? I think you'll be first, Joe. I want Ruby to enjoy this. Get over against the fire. Eddie. Do like I say. You've you got to listen to me, Eddie. I, I know this doesn't look so good, but there are angles you don't understand. Yeah, I bet there are. Okay, Ruby. I'll take that flashlight. Ruby! Come back here, Ruby! Okay. Let her go. Her turn will come later. Joe? All right, Joe. Go ahead and make your run. You'll never get out of this room alive. Go ahead, Joe. Try it. That a car gave me a lift and I got into town. I bought a paper right away, but there wasn't anything in it about a shooting. I don't know what to do with Eddie on the loose. So you came here? Yeah. Listen, Mr. Martin. What's that, the front door? Yes. And I gave strict orders not to let anybody up here. Don't let him in. He'll kill me. Don't let him in. Be quiet, please. You're getting unnecessarily upset. Mr. Martin, don't open it, please. Stop acting like a little fool. Hey! Don't let him in. He'll kill me, Mr. Martin. Ah, dry up, Ruby. Nobody wants you but the cops. Well, Martin, these guys are from the FBI. Yes. Pick me up out at the farm. Joe's downstairs in the car. All right, Miss Winters, come along, please. What is it? These Boy Scouts were tailing me all the time, Ruby. They're... Don't worry. They can't keep me in the pen forever. When I come out, sweetheart, you and me have got some unfinished business. <laughs> Confronted with the FBI evidence on the Farmington bank robbery, Eddie Jackson revealed the details of his pact with Joe Ryan and surrendered his share of the stolen money. Ryan was tried and sentenced to 15 years for the robbery, Jackson to six as an accessory after the fact. No charge could be lodged against Ruby Winters. But when Eddie Jackson's term is up, we have an idea that Miss Winters won't be around for that unfinished business.
Folks, you've heard me say on this program that wild root cream oil contains lanolin. Well, I'd like to tell you just why lanolin is used in wild root cream oil. You see, lanolin is a soothing oil that very closely resembles the natural oil of your own skin. And that means that wild root cream oil works right into your skin. That's why it grooms your hair so naturally. Yes, wild root cream oil penetrates and spreads without ever giving your hair that gooey plastered down look. Keeps hair in place the whole day long, too. In addition, wild root cream oil is non-alcoholic, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. So, fellas, next time you buy a hair tonic, look twice. And you'll look twice as good. Yes, look twice and make sure you get the familiar yellow and black package of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's favorite hair tonic. Again and again, it's the choice of men and women and children, too. On sale everywhere for as little as 29 cents. names and characters used in this partly transcribed program are fictitious, and his similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This program is based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI and Peace and War, and is not an official program of the FBI. In tonight's story, Ed Begley played the part of Joe Ryan, Elspeth Eric was Ruby Winters, and Frank Reddick was Eddie Jackson. The radio dramatizations for The FBI and Peace and War are written by Louis Pelletier and Jack Fink. These programs are produced and directed by Betty Mandeville. And now, this is Hugh Holder saying goodnight for Wild Root Cream Oil, America's favorite hair tonic, and for General Mills, makers of Wheaties. Remember, what sparks a champion sparks you, and champions choose Wheaties. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. Again, we want to remind you to be sure to listen to next Thursday's story, The Comeback. On the FBI in Peace and War. Same time, same station. This is the CBS Radio Network. That's Case Closed for this week. You can find more from The Silent Men, The FBI, and Peace and War, Case Closed, and everything else, Relic Radio at the website, relicradio.com. While you're there, if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen and has for 15 years. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.